1829-94 Western Missouri, Mike Campbell et al. versus Representative Sherry Reich. Mr. Ralph, we'll hear from you first. Thank you, Your Honor, and may it please the court. This court can and should resolve this case without reaching the First Amendment question, and it can do so without creating any sort of a conflict with its sister circuits because there are two distinguishing factors present in this case which established there is no action under color of state law. First, the exercise of Twitter's blocking feature here arose out of pure campaign speech. So under any recognized formulation of the state action doctrine, none is present here. Second, Representative Reich is an individual state legislator, and as such, none of her actions on Twitter are or could have been an exercise of power that she possessed only by virtue of state law. Neither of these two case dispositive factors were present before either the Second or the Fourth Circuit in their relevant decisions. So when this court is told that this case is merely the next in line application of those precedents, that is not accurate. In fact, to affirm the district court's decision in this case, this court would have to step far outside its own state action precedents as well as those of the Supreme Court. Finally, if this court does proceed to the constitutional question, reversal is, uh, is appropriate there as well. There simply is not a forum applicable when Twitter, a private company, controls who can access the platform and most importantly, what they can say there. Now to be clear, it's far from certain that the decisions of the Second Circuit and the Fourth Circuit are correct in all respects. Uh, there, in fact, there was a dissent to denial of rehearing on Bonk in the Second Circuit case, and that case is now pending on a fully briefed petition for writ of certiorari before the Supreme Court and is awaiting conference. That said, conflict with those decisions is unnecessary here because even under the standards that they announced, there is no state action here. So beginning with the color of state law point. This is where the district court made its most significant error, and it did so because, in a di because it conflated the concepts of establishing that the defendant was a state actor on the one hand, and also that that state actor exercised power possessed by virtue of state law. Most critically, the district court found that campaign activity furthered the cause for state action. And not even uh, my friends attempt to defend that position. Indeed, in their brief, they concede that when, it, when an individual is engaged in pure campaign speech, that is not state action. And that should be dispositive of the matter here. Because even under the Fourth Circuit's broadened articulation of what state action means, the Fourth Circuit made clear that the inquiry is to be limited to the specific actions giving rise to the claim. So here, if we are to broaden the inquiry to look at the speech and what gave rise to the exercise of the blocking feature on Twitter, here it is undisputed that that was speech that was purely related to a campaign issue at a campaign function, at a debate between the two candidates, at a candidate forum. So did even you, under the- Mr. Raup, it did you say it's undisputed that that was solely campaign activity? It is, un, it is undisputed that the- the specific message on Twitter that this dispute arose out of is campaign activity. I don't believe that that is disputed. Now, other speech that occurred on Twitter, I think they, they certainly dispute that, that some of that they claim to be official in nature. 
but the um, the specific speech that gave rise to this incident was purely campaign speech. When some, when a legislator is already in office, and it looks like Missouri has similar cycle through your just as soon as you get elected, <laughs> it's right. like the next day you're starting to campaign for for the next election. Um, how do you delineate between those two? Because it seems to me that part and parcel of your campaign is once you're in office, look what I'm doing. So so you're reaching out to your constituents to say, here's what I've been lobbying for, here's what I've been doing on your behalf. And, and in part and parcel of that is, and therefore that's why you want me the next time around. I agree with you, Your Honor. And I think that that uh, a couple of responses to that. Uh, first of all, uh, that is why none of the activity for a, on Twitter for a state legislator is campaign speech, because, or I'm sorry, is state action. Because unlike the Second Circuit's description of what President Trump was doing through Twitter, um, where he was actually effectuating duties of the office, right? He was using it as a tool, um, and, and, that, and it was uncontested by the government in that case, that there were that he was taking official actions on behalf of the government through Twitter. With a legislator, it's totally different. With a legislator, Representative Reich is one of 163 representatives in the Missouri uh, in the Missouri House. So she has the official function, of course, of of casting votes or of um, or of participating in in committee hearings. But when she simply speaks to constituents. No court has ever held that something that broad is state action. And I think that the example that, that you pose is exactly correct. And the, but, but why isn't it, why isn't the flip, like, you're saying that it's clearly all campaign, that that sort of seems to me that um, that's losing the flavor of the actual educating the constituents. I'm not sure um, they're, they're separable. In other words, how, if you never speak to your constituency, the legislative branch is distinct from the other two, but part of that distinction is its interaction with the voters. It is the representative, uh, branch. And so I'm just puzzled on how you cannot, um, at least describe a legislator's role in part in reaching out to those constituents that they directly represent. Certainly, and I agree with your honor that, that it's a representative capacity and our position certainly is that it, it very well is wise for them to do so, but there's nothing, there, there is no uh, aspect of state law that gives them the legal, some sort of legal duty or authority to act, at, you know, with the force and effect of law in that manner, contrasted with the uh, executive branch, for example. So, again, we, we get back to the inquiry of whether they are engaged in something, an activity that's made possible only because of their authority under state law. And here, um, you know, a representative, certainly while it may be a good idea and that may be what happens, um, that does not mean that they are exercising authority under state law when they are taking any of those actions on Twitter. Um, well, I Council, th I think this may be an appropriate uh, time to ask you a question about your, um, your evaluation of what state action is. I'm, I'm thinking about the Brentwood case in particular, where it says that... Uh, the uh, state action that occurs when there's a close, such a close nexus, nexus between the state and the challenged action. 
that seemingly private behavior may be fairly treated as that of the state of its, itself. And then it goes on to say, what is fairly attributable is a matter of normative judgment. What does that mean exactly? That's a normative great question. Judgment. What is that? Yeah, that's a great question, Judge Arnold, and I, I wish I had a better answer for you <laughs> than I don't know what it means. Um, uh, but I, I, I do think I, it's certainly fair to say that when you're looking at any specific situation, that it is fact specific. That has been established through the Supreme Court's precedent and through this court's precedent. But the scope of that inquiry, I think, is central to this as well. You well know, it goes on to say the. I think he's by way of explanation. The case says, and the criteria lack rigid simplicity, which seems to me to indicate that normative judgment means some kind of. Uh, sort of transcendental, maybe moral appreciation of what's really going on. Is that right? Is that fair? I don't understand what this means. I, I don't I don't understand what it means either, Your Honor, but I do I, I I do think if we look to how these precedents have been applied in circumstances where since since Brentwood and on, and again to to make draw one distinction, Brentwood was a case where we were determining whether a a conceitedly private right entity could nonetheless be attributed with uh, acting at, you know, as a matter under color of state law. Here, of course, we have a slightly different inquiry in that we, we of course, concede that, there, that there, she is a state actor. The question then is whether she is engaged in anything under color of state law. But again, it's the focus of the specificity of the inquiry. So the ultimate, the ultimate question we have to ask is whether the execution of the blocking feature on Twitter is something that she did because she was clothed with, clothed with the authority of state law. And if we broaden that inquiry a little bit, and we say, like the Fourth Circuit did, and we say, what are the specific instances that gave rise to this, to this use of the blocking feature? Here, it was camp, pure campaign speech. And again, I don't believe that is disputed. Because that inquiry doesn't work for Applebee's either, then they broaden that circle even further and say you have to look at all of the speech that had occurred on Twitter and determine whether any of that was, uh, was a state action. Um, we don't believe that there's any court that's gone so far, and we believe that the line drawing problems created by that, um, as highlighted by Judge Kelly's question, um, are, are unmanageable. Um, what do you think would be a state action by a legislator other than the act of voting? Uh, certainly the act of voting, anything that they do in connection with a committee hearing, um, they, uh, they manage or designated funds to manage a legislative staff. So um, staff functions, I, I think, would certainly be or could be state action. How about tweeting uh, out that your chief of staff is hired or fired? Uh, that's that's probably a closer call. I think that's similar probably to what... Um, to what President Trump was doing, but again, he has the ability to act, you know, unilaterally as the executive. So I think that gets closer. Um, but I, you know, I, I still that that you still don't think anything that Reich was doing would would approach that, huh? I don't believe so. Your Honor. Would, uh, would constituent service qualifies referring, for instance, referring a constituent to a particular agency that might 
that, 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 that might generate a benefit for the constituent? Perhaps, Your Honor. Again, I think that gets closer. Um, if, if somehow they were acting through Twitter to, um, you know, to put someone in contact with someone else, I suppose that that gets closer to what would be state action. But again, I, I'm not sure that they're, that even at that point that they're, uh, effectuating any duty or authority that they have by virtue of state law, they're making a recommendation just as you or I or anyone could. Well, but I mean, but their advice is being sought because of their expertise. In any event, that's not this case, is it? That's right. That, no, that's right, Your Honor. And I, and again, I think the the campaign feature of this is is has to be critical to the analysis because the courts have long have long, of course, held that that it is not state action when people are engaged in campaign functions, and so that's that's a critical component of this analysis. It seems to be undisputed, and maybe it's not. If it's not, you'll say so. That this uh, Twitter account had its genesis as a means of announcing her candidacy. Is that correct? I believe it is undisputed that the account was created uh, for use in her campaign. The first tweet on the account was to announce her campaign. Right. And that at all times, the uh, link on the account to her website was to her campaign account. I believe that all of those facts are undisputed. I'd like to touch quickly on the forum analysis if we do get to the First Amendment question. Uh, I think uh, my friend and I start from the same premise, that the forum analysis only applies to property that is owned or controlled by the government. And there's no dispute here that this is not property owned by the government. The dispute is whether it is controlled by the government. And here, Twitter controls both access to the platform and the content that can be posted on the platform. And if even you know the, the activity in the last month demonstrates that Twitter can ban accounts from Twitter, can suspend accounts, can delete posts, and can alter posts. And again, to be clear, this is not at all about whether that is good, bad, or indifferent that they can do so or whether it was acceptable for them to do so in any circumstance. But, but Twitter can't, and, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, but Twitter can't go in and block particular people from a particular person's uh, Twitter account, correct? I don't know if they could do that or not. I suspect since they have the ability to ban them outright, um, they, they could, as from a technical perspective, they could probably do that. I don't think there's any evidence of them doing so, to your point. So that, that, that would be a sort of banning them completely from the platform as opposed to blocking them from particular accounts. I guess my, my what I'm, I'm trying to sort of parse out here is that I don't, Mr. Campbell's not com complaining about Twitter as the big entity Twitter. He has his own account, right, and can follow other Twitter users, he's concerned about this particular one. And so it seems to be talking about Twitter in the bigger sense is making it, is blowing it up too big that we need to look at exactly what portion he was excluded from. Is right. Am I wrong no, about that? No, you're right. And I take your point. And I'd have a couple of responses. First of all, when the inquiry is whether we have a public forum of any sort or not, the, the point we're making here is that even in that limited area, right, the interactive portion of her Twitter page, Twitter still controls that space and it controls what those individuals can say there. 
And I'm not aware of, other of any other example of where the government is said to be opening up a place for public use where whoever is there enjoys less than the full panoply of their First Amendment rights. In other words, Twitter has content restrictions that are far more restrictive than the First Amendment. Yet, so, so it's, it, it, the forum analysis is simply not a good fit for a place that is controlled by a private entity. And the final point I'll make, I see I'm getting into my rebuttal time, the final point I'll make is that this court would be the first to hold that an individual state legislator, similar to our analysis on the first point, that an individual state legislator is able to open up a public forum. And this is the issue that was highlighted by Judge Keenan's concurrence in Davidson, and it, you know, noting that it should be an issue that's addressed by the Supreme Court. Obviously, it has not been yet, um, but I think that's, a, that, that's a, an important point if the court gets to the constitutional analysis. Do you have a view, Mr. Raup, on whether if the legislator's act of blocking is state action, whether it's also government speech? Uh, yes, I believe that the, uh, and, and this is why the Second Circuit parsed out the interactive portion below. That's a term from what I can tell the Second Circuit decided just to use um, because it, everyone conceded in that case, and I think here too, that the actual tweets, if they are official in nature, they are government speech. And so they had to transform the responses to that into something different, because if those are government speech, then there is no First Amendment protection for, you know, there's deference to that government speech. So I believe that anything, I, I think the law is that anything on that Twitter page, it should be viewed as a whole, and it is government speech. Well, but I thought we were talking about the act of blocking, not the the feed that appears. We're talking about a feed that's not going to appear because Campbell is blocked. So is the act of blocking itself speech by the government if yes, the legislature yes, I, it is. I, I apologize if I didn't draw the distinction. I believe that that once it's established, if it's established that it's an official account, our position would be that then anything that happens on that account, because it's on a private platform, anything that happens there is government speech. I see. So you're saying that if, if she allows speech on there, then it becomes government speech. And if she blocks speech, the act of blocking is government speech, if this is all state action. That's correct, Your Honor. All right. I understand. Thank you for your argument. Mr. Hirth, we'll hear from you. Thank you, Your Honor. May it please the court. Uh, I would describe the, the issue before the court today really as a two-part question. Um, and that is, the first part is whether a government official creates a designated public forum by using the interactive or allowing for the interactive social media account, using a social media account, uh, to communicate with the public about the performance, her performance in office. And if so, then the second part of the question is whether excluding her critics from that forum based on their viewpoint violates the uh, free speech clause of the First Amendment. Now, both the Second Circuit and the Fourth Circuit have answered those two questions, or both parts of that question, in the affirmative. And here the district court did as well. And, of course, we are asking this court to adopt the same reasoning uh, that those courts have followed. Now, in her appeal, Representative Rice really advances a couple of um, challenges. 
One is this notion that she engaged only in campaign speech, um, and so that can't be considered state action. And then also that it's not state action because, uh, because this is a private platform owned by Twitter, that she doesn't own it, and that an individual legislator doesn't act individually, uh, that they act en masse, and therefore outside of voting, she can't engage in those kinds of um, activities. And in particular, she's focusing on the issue of blocking. Uh, she wants the court to look solely at the issue of blocking uh, Mr. Campbell in one instance. And I think that, that is it's really putting the, the cart before the horse. Um, the inquiry is not that narrow, I don't believe. Um, you know, looking at, at uh, the way the Supreme Court and this court has addressed the state action question, um, you know, starting with uh, Luger v. Edmondson Oil, the Supreme Court said that to be state action, the conduct must be fairly attributable to the state. Um, and um, uh, as you mentioned earlier, uh, looking at the Brentwood Academy case, there the court is saying there's no one function, there's no one specific fact that is always necessary to be state action or which is always sufficient for state action. That there are, uh, you have to look at the circumstances uh, surrounding the situation. And doing so, uh, in that, looking at those circumstances, the uh, Fourth Circuit in the Davison case held that a challenged action by a government official is fairly attributable to the state when the sole intention of the official is in, take, in taking action is to suppress speech critical of her conduct in office. Uh, and similarly, in the Knight case, the Second Circuit held that uh, because the president acts in an official capacity when he tweets, he acts in the same capacity when he blocks those uh, who disagree with them. So really the question here, here... Here we do have the legislator and how... So we you've asked us to adopt the reasoning of the other circuits. It's not exactly the same on the state actor element. Would you agree? Uh, well, certainly uh, it's uh, a legislator is a different kind of office than, uh, than an executive. Um, but I would not uh, agree that the... Um, creation of a public forum or the blocking of someone from a public forum is limited to the president or to even to an executive uh, officer, you know, individually. Um, the, uh, Does it I affect it whether it's to, state action, whether whether it's a, she's a state actor? You've shifted it to the public forum, but if you get it, whether this is, he's his, out of the gate, he's saying, well, this isn't even state action. Right, and that's what I think is putting the cart before the horse, uh, because the issue is, and let me approach it this way, if this is a public forum, right, and that's that's the, uh, the big question, if this is a public forum, um, it can only be created by a government official. Right? I can't create a public forum as a private citizen. That's something that only the government can create. And we argue here that uh, Representative Reich created that public forum when she chose to use an interactive social media account that allows people to comment uh, and respond to what she tweets. The, so if it's a social media, I mean, if it's a, if it's a public forum uh, to use the social media account in this way, then blocking someone from that public forum is viewpoint discrimination. I think uh, Representative Reich wants to focus just on the state action component first, divorced from 
the kind of account or what she's doing in the account or even what happened on a particular day, uh, because that narrow inquiry obscures the fact that this is a that, that the issue here is whether this is a public forum. Um, so you know, it's sort of a circular we, argument. We need to address whether she's uh, there's state action. Oh, absolutely. I think that is a requirement here. But it's both the um, the Second Circuit and the um, you know Fourth Circuit have identified, and the, and the judge did here too. In our case, is that in the case of a public forum, the state action inquiry is rarely considered separately. Um, they tend to be considered at one time, and that's because, as, it, as it, I mentioned, the a public forum can only be created by a state actor, uh, and so. You know, this is a bit of a, of a chicken and egg problem. Is it a public forum because she's a state actor? Is she a state actor because it's a public forum? Um, and I think you can get lost in that circle. The issue is, has she taken it upon herself to invite discussion with her constituents on the performance of her job in an area or in a, using a, a tool that allows her constituents to respond uh, positively or negatively to what she tweets? And if that is the case, uh, then certainly she could have a Twitter account that allowed for no comments. Uh, I don't think there's any dispute that, that she could do that. But once she allows comments uh, on, that, on that page, she's bound by the First Amendment not to discriminate based on viewpoint. Uh, and that's really what she did here was forever block Mike Campbell uh, from accessing her tweets or from commenting on her tweets because she didn't like the message that he retweeted on his own account. Well, you seem to be saying we can skip over whether there's state action and just look at whether there's a public forum and then infer from the fact of a public forum that she's a state actor. Could you, well, address, those, could you address whether she is a state actor? Yeah, I believe she is a state actor, and I don't think those questions are separable. I don't think... Um, well, could you, know, you address why she's a state actor when she's uh, uh, tweeting about her campaign or when she's blocking... Well, it, it, looking at the um, the second and the fourth circuit cases, uh, what those courts said was, you know, what she's what what the person there is doing, what either the president is doing or the chair of the uh, the county commission in the Davidson case were doing was uh, cloaking their Twitter account with the trappings of office uh, or using that to affect their job, uh, their official duties. Now. Um, Mr. Brown said, you know, with the president, he can he can effectuate his his actual duties by Twitter. Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, I don't think he can veto a bill over Twitter, um, but I think he can uh, use that platform to speak to the country about policy, um, you know, about his agenda, that sort of thing. So I think that that is uh, it, it encompasses uh, what he is doing, and the same thing is true with a state legislator. The primary purpose of a state legislator, or their, their primary duty, is to represent their constituents, uh, to listen to what they say, to bring those issues before uh, the General Assembly, and to enact legislation that uh, you know, complies with the will of the people. Um, and so, you know, the, the real question is, when she is doing that, if she's involved in that, uh, getting information from her constituents, and... Um, offering them the opportunity to respond, I think she's engaging in state action because that's her job. Um, now, the issue of whether, you know, Twitter as a, as a third-party platform 
um, prohibits this from being state action because anybody, you know, can block on Twitter. Well, the Second Circuit addressed that and said, you know, just because anyone can block on Twitter doesn't make the pro- doesn't convert the president into a private citizen when he uses that function. The question is, when does he use that function, and what is the effect of using that function? And there, the effect was to silence his critics, and that's essentially the same thing that's happening here. Uh, the evidence deduced at trial showed that Representative Reich had blocked I think, 123 different users on Twitter, uh, and as we showed at trial, those users were critical of her. So I think that the other reason it's state action is the point of what she did was to shut down speech that is critical of the government. And that's the, really the core protection of the First Amendment is, is your right to criticize the government, you know, to say what it's doing is wrong. And so I, I don't think she can use a third-party platform to prevent criticism um, and not have to deal with the, the public forum in that, uh, issue. Um, unless there's other questions, um, uh, I believe the uh, amicus has the next five minutes. Uh, well, Madam Clerk, is that correct, or was that time allotted separately on the clock? No, sir. She has her own separate five minutes. All right. You still have four minutes and 48 if you wish to proceed. Wonderful. If you wish to proceed, could you address the last thing Mr. Raup said about government speech and whether if Reich is a state actor, her choices about what speech to allow and not allow are themselves government speech? Certainly. So when she tweets, the content of her own tweets, I believe, is government speech. Uh, that is speech by the government, and the government can choose what it wants to say. There aren't any uh, restrictions on, on what the government can talk about. Um, and what the Second Circuit found to be the public forum part of this, and the part that is not government speech, is the interactive portion, because that is the portion that is wholly controlled uh, by other users, by the public who can comment. They can say, I agree with you, Representative Reich. They can say, I disagree with you. They can say, I think you should adopt this particular policy. The government doesn't have control over the, those comments. And so I don't think it's um, government speech uh, in that sense. Now, you know, the, one of the analogies that people have drawn is to the Pleasant Grove versus Sumim case about the uh, positioning of monuments in, in public parks. Uh, and there, the Supreme Court held that a municipality adopting or agreeing to uh, put up a, uh, a private monument is government speech because it, the, the, the county or the, the entity is adopting that speech as its own. Um, and the court was concerned that because there's a limited amount of space in a public park, if we require them to you know, adopt every monument that someone wants to put forward, um, that's unreasonable uh, or untenable. Twitter, of course, is different because it has nearly an infinite amount of space. There's no restrictions on how many people can comment. Uh, and so it's actually an ideal environment uh, for having a public forum. Uh, it's, it's probably one of the best public forums ever invented, I would suggest, because it allows everybody to participate in that communication in that give and take. So I think the only part of it that is government speech is the part that is drafted uh, by Representative Reich herself, uh, and then the comments are not. So they're, they're not entitled to, um, they're not free of First Amendment restrictions because uh, they're, they're written by other people. 
square with the uh, license plate case, the vanity license plate case, where the court said what you or I choose to put on our plates is government speech. Yeah, so there what you have is uh, the, I think it was a Confederate flag, wanting to put a Confederate flag on, uh, I think it was the Texas license plates. And like the Suman case, the court said, well, this is, this has the um, imprimatur of Texas on it. I mean, quite literally, it's stamped Texas uh, on the plate itself. It's something that's issued by the government. And so it has the effect of seeming to be the voice of the government. Uh, and so that's what makes it government speech. The government should have the ability to limit what it says. In Suman, the, the government should have the ability to not adopt a particular monument or put it on public space because it gives the appearance of condoning or adopting that message. Uh, and that's really the thing that the government speech doctrine is trying to uh, accommodate, uh, that we don't want to be able to force the government to use a, to, to adopt a private message. If that makes sense. You don't think? Do you see any concern if you force a state actor to publish on a Twitter feed that comes under her name certain views with which she disagrees? So that would be similar. She's not required to to allow comments at all. Um, she could have an account. She could have a website, for that matter, that didn't have an interactive feature um, that just. You know, it was just her voice, and, and there was no opportunity to respond to it. What makes this a public forum is that the nature of Twitter itself as a social media platform invites that kind of conversation. It invites other people to speak, to interact, and to engage in that discussion. Uh, and so, you know, there are many ways that she can avoid having negative things uh, posted about her on her Twitter account. She can you know, not have a Twitter account. She can have a Twitter account that doesn't... Uh, allow for messages or, or, or comments. But if she is going to allow comments, it is sort of bedrock First Amendment principle that the government can't distinguish between speakers based on their viewpoint. All right. I think your time now has expired. Thank you, Ron. Thank you for your argument. Ms. Fowler, we'll hear from you as a friend of the court. Good afternoon, Your Honors, and may it please the court. I want to thank the court for allowing me the opportunity to participate in oral argument. Um, this case presents the first opportunity for this circuit to consider the First Amendment implications of a growing phenomenon, and that is the use by public officials at the national, at the federal, state, and local level, and across the political spectrum, to use social media accounts to further their official duties and to foster public discourse. Given the importance of protecting these new kinds of public forums from censorship, and the precedential impact of this court's decision, Amicus respectfully asks the court to consider three issues as it decides this case. First, in determining state action, this court should consider Reich's act of blocking, not in isolation, but in the context of how she used the account. The second and the fourth circuit have correctly concluded, applying the same state action precedents that this circuit uses, that when a public official uses a social media account as an instrument of governance, her act of blocking people from that account is fairly attributable to the government, just as the act of a city councilor who closed the door on someone who was trying to speak at an open public meeting would be engaged in state action, even if anyone and not just a government employee could shut the door. 
Second, this court should decline appellant's invitation to create a categorical rule that, that a legislator's social media account can never be a public forum. Instead, the court should recognize that when a legislator uses a public, I mean, excuse me, a social media account to communicate with her constituents and with the public about her official duties, her act in blocking people from that account is state action and she must comply with the First Amendment. And I just wanted to respond um, to the extent that appellant suggested that no other court has held that a single legislator can establish a public forum. I don't think that's correct. The Fourth Circuit in Davison, the defendant in that case, was a legislator. She was the chair of the Loudoun County Board of Supervisors, which is a legislative body. And the court, including Judge Keenan, who wrote separately, recognized, looked at her Facebook account in, in the totality of circumstances, looked at the way she used it, how she identified herself, the photos she had on the page, and what she used the Facebook page for, which was to inform her constituents about uh, upcoming meetings of the board, to ask, solicit input about legislative or policy proposals, or to make announcements about official, you know, trips she took as in her role as a legislator. And similarly, in this case, the district court found that Reich used her account, the photo is of her sitting at her desk on the Missouri uh, legislator, legislative floor. Uh, she identifies herself as the representative for the 44th legislative district, and she used the account regularly to tweet about her legislative and policy priorities, to communicate with constituents who are asking her things about her work, and to also communicate with other lawmakers. Um, I think under both... How is this, uh, this arrangement any different from a campaign brochure? In other words, um, as we know, the First Amendment protects the right not to speak just as much as it does the right to speak. So why isn't this sort of a compelled speech case where what the plaintiff is asking for is to compel uh, <clears throat> the defendant here to say things that she doesn't agree with? Well, I think maybe there's two parts to that question. The first part is if it is state action and she is running as we believe it is, she was operating this account as part of her official duties and to carry out her official duties. And then the district court properly held if it is state action, when the way that she runs this account, it functions as a public forum, just in the way that uh, President Trump's account uh, has been found to function. I guess I was asking the state action question, and I guess your answer is it's just there's too much about what happens on this site to characterize it as a campaign brochure. Is that what you're saying? Yes, I think if you as look... A as a mode of campaigning for office, as yeah. opposed to a mode of governing, I guess is, is your point. Is that right? I think our point is that it appears that Representative Reich was using it for both purposes. And I think the analogy would be if a city council member who is presiding over an open town hall, town meeting, also says at the beginning of the meeting, by the way, these are the reasons why you should reelect me and I've been working hard for this district. That doesn't convert the entire town hall then into a campaign rally. It's still you a don't, You don't want us to focus on this particular event, though, you said. Isn't that correct? Don't you want? You're asking us to characterize this thing as a whole, isn't that correct? Yes, Your Honor. Or how do you? How do you? If you, if you, as you say, it's 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 uh, it's protean. It's 
it's sometimes one thing, sometimes another. How, how do you make such a characterization? Main, the main object, the main purpose, like, wow, do you see the problem? I see that it's, it, it is a problem, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, excuse me, it's a flexible standard that is fact-based and based on the totality of the circumstances. And certainly in any particular case, there may be some factors that weigh in favor of, of finding state action and some factors that don't. And necessarily the courts will balance those factors. But I also think that the fact that someone, uh, 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 excuse me, a legislator chooses to, in an account that they do use for official purposes, and you can look at all the tweets, which I believe are in the record, and if you then conclude that this account is being used for official purposes, the fact that she then blocked someone, maybe because she was motivated by personal animus or because of in campaign, for, the, for her campaign purposes, but I think it's important to consider that issue is just one factor, but also very important to consider what the impact of blocking is. Because the impact of blocking, even assuming she blocked Campbell for campaign-related purposes, the impact of the block is he can never participate in the forum that she also uses for official purposes. He has other alternative modes of criticizing. Oh, certainly. Um, we don't dispute that. I mean, so in... In, under First Amendment law, the fact that you may have other ways of speaking does not excuse government censorship. So if no, right, right. So if, if it is true that he can still speak in other ways on through his own Twitter account, but the fact of the matter is, is as a result of the block, he cannot read her tweets and he cannot reply to her tweets. He can't, he can't read her tweets, can, can he not, if he goes through another account? Yes, he could. Because it's just that if he goes through the tweet app, he can't do that. But otherwise, he can get on there and look all day long. Certainly, there are other ways, but... Uh, it's costless. <laughs> I'm sorry? It's costless. Well... There's no, there's no more trouble to do that than it is to go through the app. In fact, he doesn't even have to log in. He doesn't even have to log in to read her tweets. Well, if he goes, if if you're generally when you're logged in on your either on your browser or through an app, you're logged in under your account. So certainly you could open a different browser window, or you could open up, you could establish a separate account. There are ways around it, and as um, there, this may be not be the hugest burden on your speech, but it's a burden that was imposed because of viewpoint discrimination. So in that instance, there is no legitimate government interest in blocking people from a public forum because you don't like what they have to say. And so even if the burden is not huge, it's still a burden that is affects that person's First Amendment rights. And I think particularly given the um, how impermissible viewpoint discrimination is in any forum, not even, you know, even in a non-public forum, that the speaker's First Amendment rights should prevail here. Suppose the legislator just set up a campaign Twitter account. Do you foresee a situation in which a, a legislator could do that without becoming a state actor, even if the legislator was seeking re-election and campaigning based on what the legislator had done in office? Absolutely. 
And I will say, actually, in the Davison case, the defendant there had two separate Facebook pages. She had her Chair Phyllis Randall Facebook page and then Friends of Phyllis Randall Facebook page, which she used for campaign purposes. And I believe that elective representatives are often required to adhere to rules or regulations to separate their campaign activities from their governing activities, such as when they can use official stationery. And so they have the choice to set up two different accounts. But if you are using one for official purposes, uh, then that it is appropriate <coughs> to find that there is state action and you if, are not so allowed. If you use it at all for an official purpose, one time, that makes the whole account into a state actor? I think that if it's just one time in an otherwise purely personal or overwhelmingly campaign uh, account, that that probably is not sufficient to, to transform the nature of it. Again, I do think this is a very fact-based account, and you have to look at, and I think that the factors identified by the Second and the Fourth Circuit provide a good roadmap of um, how to weigh these facts when in the totality of the circumstances of a particular account. Um, oh, sorry. Right. Well, thank you for your argument. We appreciate your uh, participation. Thank you, sir. Uh, Mr. Raup, we'll hear from you in rebuttal. Thank you, Your Honor. In both Luger versus Edmondson Oil and in American Manufacturers versus Sullivan, the Supreme Court explained that the state inquiry analysis begins by identifying the specific conduct of which the plaintiff complains. Here, that is the act of blocking on Twitter. And I don't believe that there was any dispute throughout the argument that even if that is broadened to what the actual incident was here, the speech that gave rise to this dispute that ultimately led to the blocking, that that was pure campaign speech. It was about a campaign event during the candidate's campaign. That's what gave rise to this. And not only is this important from a state action perspective, but of course, the, uh, the, the speech of a political candidate is protected speech in their own right, right? They have First Amendment rights of speech and of association, too. So while, we, you know, while we're focused here on the state action inquiry, that, that line is critically important between campaign speech and, and what we're deeming to be official speech, which, again, it has to harken back to whether they are effectuating a duty of their, of their office through speaking, and here that simply didn't happen. And I, and I think that, again, even under a broadened inquiry that looks at this specific incident, it's pure campaign speech, and that should be the end of the matter. What about the fact that it blocks Campbell from responding to official tweets, so to speak? Accepting that there is such a thing as official, any sort of official activity. Assuming uh, that. Really. Yes, yes, uh, yes, Judge Colleton. Assuming that that is correct, I still don't think that's an accurate description of what the state action inquiry is, because now supposedly we're supposed to take an action that under any circumstances would be indisputably not state action and then look to a speculative future co constitutionally protected right and if there's a chance that that will happen in the future, that can transform something into state action in the present. I just I don't think that 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 anything like that has been articulated by the Supreme Court and or by this court. 
All right. Seeing no further questions, we thank you for your argument. We thank all counsel for participating. The case is submitted and the court will file an opinion in due course.